Well, back in 1979, the old rock and roller Bob Dylan released the first of three studio albums presenting his newfound faith in Jesus Christ. The album was called Slow Train Coming. And its most popular song was called Gotta Serve Somebody. It's a long song, so I won't quote it all to you. You can probably dig it up on YouTube from Saturday Night Live when he did it. Uh, But it starts out like this. It says, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. Might have money and drugs at your command and women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you church chief. Are you going to have to serve somebody? Amen? Uh, Dylan, as you probably know, has been considerably less vocal since about 1981 <laughs> about his faith in Jesus. Um, but the song still stands, I think, as a poetic presentation of a deep truth. Because you will spend your life in pursuit of, of something and serve someone or something with your life. And it's vitally important that you choose wisely. And so I I would like to therefore encourage us from the Word of God uh, in Jesus' instructions on what we should choose and what we should cast aside. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. And we'll go down through verse 24 today. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is the third example in this chapter of the principle that Jesus gives in chapter 6, verse 1, that says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This is the third time, the third example of what Jesus calls hypocrisy. Of doing good things... Uh, not in order necessarily to draw closer to God, but in order to be seen by other people. And, and it is one of the more subtle forms of idolatry that is available to people. Uh, you know, our culture, if we ha- still had the ancient gods, like the, the Romans did, or the Greeks, or the Egyptians, our culture's god is probably Aphrodite. You know, we are into love and sexuality like nothing else, like no culture that has probably existed since that day. But one of the other gods you can bow down and worship is other people's 
approval. You can have a, such a desire to have other people think well of you and to have other people's applause and to be seen in a certain way and to have an image that you protect. That's a form of idolatry too. And while there's nothing wrong necessarily with receiving congratulations or encouragement or applause from other people, to devote your life to it, to shape your spirituality around it, is not a good thing. It's idolatry. Idolatry. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a compliment that's well earned or praise up to a certain point. But past that point, when you become more concerned that other people think and speak well of you than that God be honored with your life, then you have a problem. Uh, In Jesus' day, the issue was fasting. And fasting is a good thing. It's a spiritual practice that allows you to channel the desires that you have for food or for other things to stimulate in you a hunger for prayer and for God instead. You know, the idea is is that as you go through the day, you're going to have uh, some stomach rumbles as you're fasting. Or you're going to have some other desires that are going to come into your mind as you're fasting, and you're going to go, oh, I'm hungry, I want X, whatever that is that you're fasting from, and that you are then to take every time that you have that desire or that hunger or that thing to allow that to drive you to prayer and to remind you to pray without ceasing. Because after a full day, you get really, really hungry, right? Uh, Some of us get really grumpy when we haven't uh, haven't eaten, right? And but we're nevertheless to uh, to channel that energy and that desire that you feel into prayer. That's the idea behind fasting. And Jesus is not down on fasting. In fact, he says when you fast, he does not notice he does not say if. He does not say stop fasting. He says when you fast. Do it like this. Wash your face. Uh, you know, put on clean clothes. Don't put on a display where everybody can ask you what's wrong with you today. So you can go, well, I'm fasting. See, I'm really spiritual. <laughs> okay, don't do that. You don't want anybody to know because the issue is, is not about putting on display for other people that you might receive their approval, but that you might honor God with what you're doing in private. And notice that for the third time, Jesus refers to the Father the same way, as the Father who is in secret and who sees what is done in secret. Now we can take that as both a positive encouragement as well as a a negative exhortation, right? Because on the one hand, when... You know, one of the things that we get concerned about as people is that, well, no one noticed when I did X, Y, Z. And no one cared about the sacrifice and the service that I offered. And no one saw that. And so therefore, we, out of a desire to be seen and recognized, we start telling people. Start giving them clues of all the stuff that we're doing, right? And so... Jesus reminds us that God sees in secret so that we won't feel the compulsion to do that. 
to put all of our accomplishments on display where we can get from everybody else. Because God sees in secret. But also, the other side of that is this. There is no such thing as something you can do or say or think which is totally unknown to anybody. Right? One of the lies that Satan loves to tell people is this one. No one will ever know. No one will ever know. Well, that's not true, is it? Because your father sees what is done in secret. Amen? And so, you are known in ways both good and bad by your Father. He sees everything that happens in secret. Good things as well as bad things. And He will reward you according to how you have lived your life and whether or not you uh, honored Him with it. Now, like I say, in Jesus' day, the issue is fasting. Let me just give you a current day example. You know, right now, among um, the younger generation, I know that puts me in the terrible category, right? But there's these young millennial Christians, right? The ones who, who came of age around the turn of the century. And, uh, you know, the millennials think differently than a lot of their, a lot of their older Christian brothers and sisters. And one of the things that these guys a lot of times are into is very public acts of caring for the poor and combating trafficking and feeding, uh, and feeding the homeless and these kinds of things. And those are all very good things, and I'm not down on them. Okay, But sometimes as I've talked to some of my brothers and sisters who are that age, what I find out is that one of the, things, one of the reasons they like those things is that the world approves them when they do them. And it marks them as one of the good guys instead of one of those icky Christians who actually believes what the Bible teaches about all kinds of things they'd rather not discuss with their friends. Now again, nothing wrong with doing what they're doing. In fact, everything right about serving the poor and caring for the needy and rescuing the slave, and all of that. In fact, the Scripture would commend them in all kinds of ways for what they're doing. But what Jesus is getting to is the motivation. And who is being honored here, really, by what you do? Because I'll give you a hint. If you do your good works in order to be seen by others, the person being honored is not God. Amen? person being honored is you. And you've got to be very careful that your motive in what, doing what you do is not that you might receive the applause of your fellow human. That you might receive the, the applause and honor and glory of God. And that He will reward you for what you do. Um... Serving people with love and the gospel is an end meant to glorify God. It's not a means for making the non-Christians around you like you. Okay? It isn't about that. It's about serving the Lord and being honored by Him. 
and bringing glory to Him and not glory to ourselves. Amen? Amen. Uh, God's glory and His honor is the goal of, goal of our good deeds. Um, we don't need a billboard every time we do something nice for somebody to make sure it gets noticed because God sees. And Jesus goes on to underline that point in uh, verses 19 through 21. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I love the History Channel. Any, any History Channel fans out there? Come on, be proud. All right. I love the History Channel, okay? I love every bit of it. I like swamp people, okay, shooting alligators in the head with the rifle at close range. I mean, I love that, right? Uh, I, I think that's exciting, right? I'm wanting one of those alligators to come up into the boat, still alive, on one of these guys. I would, I would watch that, right? I like... I like the car restoration shows. I like uh, all of the modern Marvel stuff. I like it all, right? I'm into that. Uh, I like all the, sh- all the documentaries they do. Uh, one of my favorite shows on the History Channel, though, is one called American Pickers. Have you seen this? These two guys, Mike and Frank, ride around in a van, right? And they go around in all these old barns, and they, they talk to these people, and they've got junk. And upon junk, upon junk, they've got barns of it. They've got storage sheds of it. They've bought entire city blocks downtown that they have filled with junk, right? And so they've got knee-high signs. They've got, uh, you know, Coca-Cola stuff. They've got old cars. They've got bikes. They've got motorcycle frames. You know, I once saw these guys spend thousands of dollars on a seized-up Harley knucklehead motor, right? And you go, why would you do that, right? And these people hoard this stuff like King Midas in his room full of gold, right? And you know, I mean, all the people that they are talking to, many of them, have spent their entire life accumulating this collection of junk. And the thing I think, the thing I think every single time I watch these guys is this. That guy is about 97 years old who has all that junk, right? And he's, and he's negotiating with them. No, I couldn't let it go for $500. I mean, I'd have to have at least $800 for that sign. Like, it hasn't seen the light of day in 50 years. And you got to have $800 for it? I'd give somebody $800 to haul it out of my barn. <laughs> okay. And... And yet they've spent their entire life accumulating this stuff, right? And it's like, this guy is going to die soon, and he's got 17 barns worth of junk. And I'm thinking, his poor children, what are they going to do? You know, they're going to call back Mike and Frank and say, look, we don't need you to bring the van. We need you to bring about six train cars. And we'll take, a, we'll take a dollar each for whatever you can fall out of here, right? But yet these people have these things that they treasure, right? And that they've spent their life accumulating and that they won't let go of except for substantial amounts of money changing hands. And yet 
I, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've conducted a lot of funerals. One thing I always notice is that there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You ever seen that? I've never seen that either. Right? And burial plots are small. There's not room for, you know, even one barn worth down that hole, right? And Jesus says, be careful you don't spend your life accumulating the wrong kind of reward. Laying up treasure for yourself on earth where it all turns to rust, where the nicest clothes get eaten moth holes in them, where eventually your heirs have to dispose of your stuff that you've accumulated. Now those people that are on that show, they're an extreme example. Right? But most of us, just by virtue of the fact that we live in America, the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, have far more stuff than we know what to do with. You know, I've shared this example before. When I got married, I hauled everything I owned in the back of one pickup truck to our new apartment. All 450 square feet of it, right? You could, you could talk on the phone, and if it were safe, take a shower at the same time, right? Um, you could darn near cook dinner and sit on the bed in the same, at the same time, right? It was a tiny little thing, right? And it was just the two of us. 19 years later... I need like two 26-foot trucks to show up at my house to deal with all of the junk we have accumulated, right? Furniture and pots and pans and two sets of dishes and silverware and all, you know, a washer and a dryer and all this stuff, right? And Jesus says, be careful that you don't spend your life accumulating that which does not last. I remember Chuck Swindoll uh, was part of his church for a while when he lived in Dallas. He said, y'all ought to get yourself a stamp that says, reserved for fire. Because out of, out, of, out of Peter, where Peter says, the present heavens and the present earth are reserved for fire. The earth and all of its works will be burned up and the elements will melt with intense heat, right? You ought to just go around you know, go down to Office Max or whatever and get one of those stamps and just stamp all your stuff with that. So you remember, this life and this stuff is not going to last forever. It's all going to rust away. It's all going to turn to junk. It's all going to go into a landfill or it's going to go into the resale shop or it's going to go in a big dumpster somewhere. You know, it's going to be gone. It's just stuff. But there is a reward that lasts forever. And Jesus says, don't waste your life. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Invest in what lasts. You know, I don't know how your 401k or your IRA or you know, your savings account or whatever is doing. But this I do know. That when you invest in the spread of the gospel, when you invest in the 
uh, ministry to people who are need to know Jesus, when you spend your life helping people to grow in faith and to walk in the truth and to live their life for Jesus, that that investment always pays off. Always. Not just here, but in eternity as well. Last thing here, we're going to look at this in just a few minutes. Verse 22 to 24, The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, Y'all ever watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Butch Cassidy says, Boy, I got vision, and the rest of the world is wearing bifocals. Right? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is something similar to what Jesus is saying here. That if you are committing your life to honor and to follow Jesus, then your vision is clear. You can see with great clarity what really matters. You can understand what is worth giving your life for and what is just something to enjoy along the way. And if what you desire is God's glory and His honor and eternal reward, then you have healthy vision. You can see 2010 because you are focused not on the pleasures you might gain in the present, but on the rewards of eternity with Christ. But if, on the other hand, your desires for money and things and other people's approval and the stuff of this earth consumes your heart, then your vision is clouded and you are spiritually blind. Amen? And to underscore the point, Jesus gives us verse 24. He says, you can't serve two masters. One of them you're going to hate, and the other one you're going to love. And you can't serve God and money, because only one of them will ever truly have your heart. If money has your heart, then God cannot. If God fills your heart then money will be seen for what it is. It is a temporary thing that allows you to do what you need to do to serve the Lord with your life. That's why God gives us money. It isn't so that we might devote our life to it, but so that we might use it in the pursuit of the life that God has ordained for us. Amen? So, Today is the day the Lord has given us. Today is the day for us to make or to recommit to the choices that will shape our future. Because the choices that you make today will determine what you do tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and for the rest of your life. Maybe there will be big changes, maybe not. But either way, remember... Joshua's words here to Israel and let's apply them to ourselves now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord and if it is an evil in your eyes to serve the Lord then choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house 
we will serve the Lord. Like Bob Dylan sang 36 years ago, you've got to serve somebody. So who are you going to serve? You're going to serve the gods of the people around us in our culture? You're going to pick the cheap gods of goods and gold and the applause of your fellow human? Or are you going to take John Lennon's advice, maybe, and serve yourself? Or are you going to spend your life serving the Lord and pursuing God's glory and God's honor and as a consequence receiving God's approval and applause? Time to choose. Let's all choose wisely. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, Many times we have chosen very poorly whom we will serve. And so we have spent, and me no less than these, days, weeks, months, even years of our life serving ourselves and serving the cheap, temporary, dying gods of our culture and the ones we have erected for ourselves in our own heart instead of pursuing You. Father, we confess that every time we have done that, we have been in sin. Because, Father, You are the only God worthy of worship. In fact, You are the only God worthy of the name. Because You are the Creator and the Sustainer of life. You are the one who redeems the sinner from the consequences of his sin and brings him into fellowship with you for eternity. And Father, your rewards are lasting. And therefore, you offer a life worth living and a faith worth dying for. Father, we pray today would be the day that we choose that we're going to follow you with all of our heart and all of our energy, and all of our life, and we're going to leave aside the cheap substitutes we have embraced instead.